Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there, and welcome once again to the WP Builds Podcast. You have reached episode number 318, entitled Rob Howard on what they're doing at Master WP. It was published on Thursday the 16th of March 2023. My name's Nathan Wrigley and a few little bits of housekeeping before we begin. The first thing is to say that if you're not subscribed to the WP Builds newsletter, why not do that? Head over to wpbuilds.com and right at the top of the homepage you will see a simple subscribe form. It's got one field, it's an email field. Click that, fill it out, and we will notify you when we produce new content. If you'd like to keep in touch in other ways, head to our subscribe page, wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe, and there's loads of different ways that you can find us there. We've got our Mastodon, we've got our Twitter, YouTube, and all of that good stuff. We've also got a deals page. I keep saying it's a bit like Black Friday, but every day of the week, wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. Go and check that out. Searchable, filterable list of WordPress deals, which never seem to expire. So if you're in the market for something this week, go and check that out. One last thing before we get into the podcast. I rebuilt the site over the last week. So that's wpbuilds.com. I think I captured every page and post and all of that, but I've converted it all over to blocks. But if you're browsing the site over the next week or day or whatever it might be, and you spot some kind of problem, maybe I've missed something in terms of mobile responsive or something like that, please do let me know. Head to wpbuilds.com forward slash contact and fill out the form. I'd be most grateful. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by heading to go.me forward slash WPBuilds. Once more, go.me forward slash WPBuilds. And we really, truly, sincerely thank GoDaddy Pro for their ongoing support of the WP Builds podcast. Okay, what have we got on the show for you today? Well, we've got Rob Howard, and he's on the podcast today to talk about all of the things that they're doing over at Master WP. If you've not heard of Master WP before, well, you're in for a treat. They have loads of different things going on, and we kind of split the conversation in this episode into two halves. The first half, we talk about the community that he's trying to build up over at Master WP, where all the financing comes from, how the team works, and how they're giving a proportion of time to their employees each week. They've got a pretty impressive roadmap for all of the different content types that they want to produce. That kind of leads us into the second half where we talk about all of the courses that they're running. They're hoping to put out a laundry list of new content. This podcast was recorded several months ago, so it may well be that all of the things that they talk about are now 
superseded by brand new content. Like I said, they've got a pretty aggressive roadmap of the things that they're going to be releasing. Hopefully, if you enter the coupon code WPBUILDS10, you'll be able to get 10% off for a month after the podcast episode airs. Hopefully that code works. If it doesn't, let me know. Some gremlin would have been discovered in the system. We also get into a chat about a WP drama which was happening at the time that we recorded. The stats were removed from WordPress.org and so we talk about the impact of that as well. Anyway, it's a really interesting subject. You'll be able to discover all about Master WP and I hope that you enjoy the podcast. I am joined on the podcast today by Rob Howard. Hello, Rob. Hey, Nathan. How's it going? Yeah, really good. We've had a, you know how these things, it's all very contrived, isn't it? Me saying, hello, Rob, like <laughs> like we haven't been chatting for the last 10 minutes, which of course we have. We've had a lovely little chat. I've not, not met Rob before, but um, I'm going to be fairly confident that if you've been in the WordPress space for the last, oh, let's say, year or two years, you've probably um, come into contact with the content that Rob and Rob's team have been producing. Uh, Rob is behind, or I say behind, I don't know if it's Rob and others particularly, but we'll find that out in just a moment rob is behind master wp a growing and important uh, channel for all things wordpress courses and news and newsletters and all of that kind of things podcasts as well uh, before we get stuck into the the interesting content there first of all rob give us a little bit of a rundown tell us your history how you came to be on this podcast today in the wordpress space and all of that Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so I, uh, the title I've taken is publisher of Master WP because we have so many people who are involved every week. Um, so we really try to, um, you know, aim for a mission of bringing more voices into not just the WordPress community, but tech in general. So, um, this is kind of, you know, a way for us to do something that we feel is valuable and fun and also a little bit bigger than sort of like, just what are you building in JavaScript and PHP? This week, like there's more to it than that. And I think, um, you know, if you read uh, Master WP for, for a few weeks, you'll kind of start to feel that mission around, you know, really bringing more people in to what we've discovered is just a really great industry, has a lot of great communities within it, has a lot of great economic opportunities. Um, you know, and as I'm sure you know, there's a lot of people who are eager to get into tech who have that same kind of, uh, uh, sort of accidentally discovered passion for coding and um, computers and technology. Um, so we really want to give them a pathway to get more involved and get their voices heard. Um, we do that through our writing, you know, kind of like blog style newspaper or magazine style writing um, and articles, as well as, you know, publishing guest posts, doing podcasting, as well as now uh, doing workshops. Uh, so educational, you know, one to two hour webinars that are then recorded and shared. Um, you can pop into our workshops catalog and choose topics that you know are most interesting to you. You can subscribe to all of them. Um, and that's something that we've really been having a lot of fun with and, and we're doing you know stuff that's very technical. Like we did one on WPCLI recently, which is command line. Um, but I also am doing some on like growing an agency business. Um, you know, we're doing some on starting your first blog, like very beginner stuff. Um, so we really try to um, give everybody uh, greater voice, um, give everybody a platform from which they can kind of jump off to do the things that are interesting and fun for them. And also, um, experience that economic growth, um, you know, that I've been lucky enough to really get involved in since I was like essentially a teenager, you know? Yeah. So we want to share that with as many people as we can in a way that is, um, you know, fun and accessible and, uh, you know, spreads 
kind of the word about the great things about tech while also welcoming new people into tech. The the website Master WP, as you might expect, it's masterwp.com. Go and check it out if you haven't checked it out before. I don't exactly know, like I alluded to earlier, I don't exactly know when I first came across your site, but it, it was it was one of those things where you stumble across it. So for me, it was probably about 18 months ago or something like that, or probably a year, I don't know, something like that. And I came across it and it was like, oh, hang on a minute, where's this been? You know, how did, how <laughs> did I not know about this? So it, what I'm trying to emphasize there is it, for me, it went from zero to, wow, lots, there's a lot of stuff on here. Now, in order to generate a website like that and keep that kind of website going with content being updated all the time and moving into new content areas like podcasting and so on and courses and so on, there must be something underpinning it. You don't you don't sort of start something like this unless you've got some way of financing it. So I'm curious about that. What what in the beginning was the thing that kept it going? You know, what was the what was the thing that you were pivoting away from and, you know, giving a little bit of time each week to this new project? Yeah, so the majority of our, our business, we have a, a, about 20 employees right now in the US and Canada. And uh, we, the majority of our time and the majority of our revenue comes from client services. And that's largely WordPress, but we also do lots of other web development um, in other areas um, as a company. So we're effectively a digital agency. Uh, we're more development focused than design focused, but you know we're growing it and doing kind of all those things. Um, so you know, you can come work with us on a web development or design project if you want to. Um, and on top of that, we have a goal of essentially um, <clears throat> uh, expanding our horizons in a positive way into things like uh, content products and other services, if that makes sense. And I think, you know, what we've discovered is we've done a lot of experimentation and very intentionally, um, kind of like a startup within a digital agency in a lot of ways. Um, and what we've really found is that uh, Master WP as a magazine and newsletter, and now our new workshops um, just have been such a surprise hit. Um, like not that I didn't think that they would be exciting and popular, but they've just far exceeded my original expectations. Um, so, you know, that's allowed us to say, hey, this is a thing that's really working. We wanna do more of this, it's helping people. Um, people are learning, people are having fun reading it and, and participating. So, um, you know, it started basically as a way for us to um, diversify our business as a digital agency. Um, obviously, you see this a lot with, um, you know, developers and designers where they say, hey, you know, I have this product idea that I want to build. Wouldn't it be super cool if I could do that and not have to work for clients anymore? Um, we take kind of a different angle, which is that we plan to do client service work forever, uh, as far as we're concerned. And we, we want to um, build other elements of our business in an additive way, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, the way that I look at it is our uh, WordPress magazine feeds, uh, you know, into our client services, which then feeds into our theme framework, which is Understrap that we um, acquired a couple of years ago. It feeds into our podcast. All those things kind of increase our uh, the awareness and authority of our business and, and our um, organization here. Um, so we're simultaneously kind of doing cool stuff, having fun, helping people, and building a bigger ecosystem of ways that you can interact with us. So, um, you know, and I, and I think what we've seen in the last year is that that's actually helped every component of that um, 
uh, ecosystem, if that makes sense. So yeah. we get clients from SWP, our clients go read and listen to our podcast and then find us more authoritative and, and so on and so forth. It's interesting because we have this mantra, which has been going on for forever since the, the web started and, you know, specifically tools like WordPress was, you know, if you've got a business website, do a blog. Just get content out, keep pushing out content, and eventually there'll be some kind of feedback loop there where the content that you're putting out in whatever niche or industry you're in will in some way give you more kudos and therefore the, mm-hmm. the you know the clients will come and then more content will be allowed to be created. Typically, though, I've got to say that that often seems to be a failure. Um, you know, people lose interest, they can't be bothered to create the content, and as soon as you as soon as that sort of cycle of um, stagnation sets in, the whole thing kind of dries up. But you seem to have done the opposite. You seem to be turbocharging it each, each almost like each kind of season. By season, I mean literally, you know, autumn, winter, spring, and so on. So every mm-hmm. three months or something, you seem to come up with a new idea and push that out. I'm guessing you're either taking on people to saddle this burden or you're sort of sequestering people from in your organization. I think you said there was 20 of you now and giving them a little bit of time to dabble in different content types. How are you How are you actually getting the personnel, the boots on the ground? Yeah, so I'm very aware of that dynamic. And I think, um, I don't know who said this, but like, you know, basically it's way worse to have like a blog that you haven't updated in oh. a year than to just have no blog at all. Like it's yeah. just like a sad little like yeah. carb. Like, like, Certainly don't put <laughs> the dates on it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so like there's evergreen content. And then there's a blog that you just haven't updated in three years because you forgot about it, right? So obviously you don't want that. Um, we've actually had a lot of good luck even before we kind of dove, um, you know, head first into into content. Um, we've actually had good luck with like um, selling small courses, selling, doing like ultimate guides where it's like, hey, here's like my 20 page PDF uh, describing, you know, how to do core web vitals or whatever. And, you know, clients will download that or, uh, you know, see it as an authoritative thing. So we definitely have had this type of strategy on our radar for, you know, probably 10 or 12 years, um, dating back to kind of like the early days of information products becoming a thing. Um, so this idea of like, Hey, you need a lead magnet. Hey, you need an information product. Like that's, that's uh, not new to us. Um, so it's not like we were learning everything from scratch in the last two years. Right. Um, but what we did do is very intentionally say we want to diversify into other areas beyond just client services, um, both because there is a potential financial opportunity there and also because it's fun, right? And so one of the big things is that I think we can all kind of agree that client services is not the most fulfilling and exciting thing that you could do with your time. And it's very easy to, (laughs) it's very easy to burn out, right? Um, (laughs) In fact, pretty much everyone, you know, I'd say like a significant percentage of the blog posts on the company blogs that are supposed to be about promoting your company actually end up being about how you burned out and you hate client services, right? Right. So that's very common. Um, It's something that I want to um, very like thoughtfully avoid for my team, um, both because it's a bad experience and because it has cascading negative effects across, you know, the company and the business, right? So if two people burn out and quit, what's going to happen is that's going to cascade to the three people who have to take over their work burning out faster. And like, it's just, it's such a vicious cycle, right? So one way 
to make work more fun is to um, carve out some of your time for fun stuff, right? So pretty much everybody on our team, um, you know, has that kind of like coder inventor spark at some to some degree. Um, so we started working on new product and service ideas. Um, one of those was WP Wallet, which is about organizing your plugins, being able to invoice clients more easily. This was kind of a thing where we were scratching our own itch and saying, isn't it horrible that you have to like track 11 different e-commerce sites? None of them really make, a, they don't remind me properly. I'm always forgetting stuff or I'm getting this credit card bill from this company. I don't even know what it is, but I actually do need that plugin, but the client was supposed to pay for it. It's just, there's like a whole mess there that we were, you know, we built software to help ourselves with that, that we've now put out there as a freemium product. So that's WP Wallet. Um, and then from that, we also knew that if you're going to go build a software as a service product or a freemium plugin or whatever, like you also need an audience to share that with, right? So that is where some of our acquisitions came in. So we acquired Understrap, which is a uh, very popular theme framework. It's used by Facebook and Intel. Um, and we'd been using it in our, in our company for many years. And uh, the people who owned it and were maintaining it as an open source product just wanted to go do other stuff. So we purchased it from them. Um, that also had a very large audience of email subscribers associated with it. Nice. Um, so that's just, we sort of started, you know, a bit of a mailing list there. And then in uh, January, February of 2022, um, the original creators of Master WP put it up for sale. Um, so we actually bought that brand from someone else who'd been running it as a newsletter for almost five years. So that brand was pre-existing. <clears throat> it did have pre-existing authority, um, but the owners of it essentially didn't really want to focus on that anymore. They had other businesses <clears throat> that they wanted to pursue instead. Um, so we purchased it from them. And at that point, I think that's probably where you started to notice like the very intentional like content supercharge right, that we've right. done over the yeah. last year yep. because we said, okay, well, newsletters are awesome, but like newsletters that actually have like a website associated with them are even more awesome, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we actually launched a website with the articles on it. So more like a, a magazine, right? Than just a simple uh, email newsletter. Um, and then we started creating, I think significantly more longer form original content primarily from our staff, but also from guest um, uh, writers. Um, we uh, committed to paying all of our guest writers, which I think was a really cool um, change in the, uh, in the ecosystem. Um, and, you know, from there, as you've seen, like we've been able to, you know, pump out, you know, three to six really interesting articles per week. We're covering industry news. We're covering, you know, sort of our own opinion and analysis stuff. We're doing deeper looks at um, culture and diversity in tech. We're doing deeper looks at code and, you know, where WordPress is going. And I think, you know, probably will grow into uh, just covering open source and tech in an even broader way oh, over the next few years. Yeah. Um, it sort of strikes me that there was a, a possibility here for it to potentially go south. You know, the boss comes in and said, I've got this really exciting idea. We're going to produce loads of content. You're all going to be involved. You're going to love it. And then everybody sort of groans and kind of thinks, oh, really? But obviously that's not the case for you. How do you how do you incentivize or what are the the sort of the, the benefits, the kickbacks, if you like, for the people involved 
specifically in your company, let's deal with that because we, we know what the, the freelance model probably looks like for writers and so on. How does the how does the sort of how do your staff view it? You know, what benefits are they getting on the flip side of, of doing this? Yeah. So, I mean, I can speak to, from my personal experience too, in that it's just fun, you know? So I think, um, you know, for, for me, uh, writing, publishing, informing, and entertaining people has always been a fun element of my work. Um, I, I really got into tech. I mean, I got into tech as a teenager, right? So this is decades ago, but, um, you know, when I did that, it was like, hey, like, it wasn't like, hey, I want to go learn computer science. It was, hey, I want to learn how to publish cool stuff mm -hmm. on the internet. Mm -hmm. And part of that is understanding how to build websites. And then that sort of, you know, took off from there. Um, so I think, um, you know, coming at it from an angle of like, you know, I like publishing, I like communication. I think that I probably gravitated towards employees who shared that interest, uh, you know, without intentionally uh think without really thinking about that so you know if i hired somebody three or four years prior like i might i i probably was um inadvertently building a company full of people who would love to run a wordpress newsletter right right um before <laughs> yeah. we even considered that possibility yeah uh that being said um you know i think the f the, the approach that i take as sort of a uh, a publisher is that you should be able to write stuff that feels like it's coming from you, right? I don't want to edit it so it sounds like the voice of like the like the the sort of imaginary um, like monotone voice of the newspaper, right? Or like you know every article in the Economist sounds the same. Every article in the New York Times is basically the same structure and style, right? Um, I really wanted to give people more freedom than that to kind of be themselves. I think that kind of also adds in or, or plays into the whole like bring more voices into the uh, community and the industry, right? So I think um, giving people more freedom really helps in terms of getting people involved in the newsletter um, or in the in the magazine or, or the publishing business or, or even podcasting. Um, also paying people helps, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think one of the issues is that, um, you know, asking for uh, it's not necessarily framed as volunteer work, but like sort of like, hey, you can write a blog post for exposure, right? Um, that's great, but not everybody can take advantage of that, right? Yeah. So what we do is like, you know, you're being paid as an employee for your time. If you were hired as a developer, you're getting paid developer rates to go write an article for three or four hours, you know? So um, they're not really making a trade-off uh, in terms of the uh, employees of the company. What they're doing is they're saying, hey, now, you know, like, 10% of my time or 5% of my time or whatever is going to be carved out for this sort of like fun, creative activity. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, we don't force people to do it. There's certainly people who, um, you know, have said like, oh, well, I'm nervous about writing, but I can do the podcast or vice versa. Right. And so we're, we're very aware that it's not for everybody, but I think that there's enough people on the team that, you know, we pretty much can, can fill the, uh, the magazine yeah. every week. Right. So, so here's an interesting question. So you've got your team and you've got some freelance writers who get paid for their work as well. And, and obviously you, you've allocated some time within the team for, to them to do it. The, the, I guess uh, the problem with a beast like this is once you, once you create this beast, the beast needs feeding. Um, and in order to keep a community such as this with all of the different arms that you've now got, all these different tendrils of content types, 
um, in order for that to maintain its authority, it's either got to at least be as good as it was last month or it's got to be better. And and I just wonder how that works, you know, in terms of the, the staff that you've got. Do you do you allocate time to them? Like you've got four hours a week or you've got 5% of your um time available this week is is available for this and this only and and also which comes first you know does the client services work always trump the the content creation work it just really you can you can sort of see the thread of my uh, poorly formed question how do you how do you manage it all um, so the the biggest way that I do that is um, you know I, I think you kind of alluded to this um, basically um, setting aside a percentage of each employee's time to focus on certain things, mm-hmm. right? So um, the thing about a web developer is that they're going to be most efficient and most happy if no one talks to them for like eight <laughs> hours at a time while they code, right? Um, so we really try to facilitate that, you know, through our project management and scheduling and, you know, meeting schedules and stuff like that. So that people really do have, you know, lots of heads down coding time that is effectively uninterrupted. Um, and I think that really helps us deliver great projects to clients. Um, but what then also helps is to say, okay, and, you know, 10% or 20% or 50% of your time is going to go towards this other project, which is producing the podcast or producing, um, you know, articles for the newsletter. So uh, we have developers who do audio editing for the podcast because they like doing that. We have developers and designers who write for the newsletter because they like doing that. So um, you know, I really try to play to people's individual strengths and um, help everyone enjoy their day, right? Um, so, but but from a very like mechanical and logistical standpoint, we are doing our best to predefine where people's time is going to be spent on like a weekly basis, yeah. right? So, yeah. you know, twenty hours on SWP, twenty hours on client development, or you know, five and thirty-five, or five and 20 if somebody works part-time, whatever that is, um, you know, I think uh, people need to go into their week knowing what to expect and knowing what is expected of them. So, um, you know, that I think has helped us uh, uh, grow in a way that is somewhat, is essentially steady um, and also predictable and also like not burn people out. Um, And I think that's really the big thing is, um, you know, I have to sometimes say like, hey, like you need to stop working at this point in the week or you're going to burn out right so that's something that we very much build into our company culture people are going to um you know we've set it up so that people naturally tell people to take a break as opposed to telling people to work late right so i think that really really helps um and i think you know the other um kind of bigger picture uh financial question about all this is like i think there's a lot of long-term payoff uh to what we're building um, but in the short term, it is an expense, right? As, as you alluded to, like, where's this time and investment really coming from? Um, however, there's also a lot of intangible benefit to people having fun at work doing creative stuff. And I think what, we'll, what I think I've already seen, and I think we probably, if we look back a year or two from now, we'll probably be able to measure, is like our ability to recruit and retain employees as well as the morale of our employees is much higher because we have fun creative opportunities that allow you to take a breath and do something other than client work which 
is very rewarding financially, but also can be very stressful. Right. So having that combination actually is a direct but hard to measure benefit to the yeah. company. Yeah, everybody, if they're, if they're working a nine-to-fiver, um, Monday to Friday, everybody likes that occasional day where you get to do some sort of out-of-the-office training or whatever it might be. You know, just that that expression of the grass is always greener or a break is as good as a holiday or whatever it might be. The Just the, the fact that you've got something in the in the week, there's something on the horizon which is a bit different from the, the project that you would typically be working on. Um, speaking of projects, one of the one of the more recent things that I, well I say more recent, steer me in the right direction if I'm wrong, but I think it's more recent is your your workshops. And if you go to masterwp.com, right at the top, uh, you'll find a link in the main navigation menu, and it's going to link you to workshops.master.p.com, and it's a whole subdomain of new and interesting courses that are on the horizon. Um, Tell us about these. How are you pricing them? How often are you releasing them? What are the constraints in terms of subject matter that you're going to be dealing with? And uh, it may, may be of interest to the people listening to this because, you know, they're into WordPress and they want to learn things. Yeah, and we're really excited about this because I think it just parallels with kind of all the things that we enjoy doing and the overall mission of just bringing more people into tech in various ways. So. Um, if you go to workshops.masterwp.com, you'll see we have a catalog of, as of this recording, there's probably like six or seven six. Yeah. in there that are mm-hmm. that are planned out. We have a lot more actually on the docket. Uh, so what we're planning on doing is just really um, ramping up our creation of um, short and sweet and interesting and valuable learning content, educational content, and really um, becoming more like a tech education company than just a magazine, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, And what we've found is that uh, it is, again, fun for us to create these. It is clearly valuable for people. We're seeing a lot of uptake even in the last month on like people actually showing up and buying stuff, people actually showing up to the webinars. Um, So I think as a business model, um, it's already proven itself. And now um, it's up to us to continue to create new, fun, interesting, and educational workshops. Um, so I think you know one of the challenges is beginner workshops are really common. Um, so we wanna have those, and those are always gonna have a little bit of a larger audience because there's just inherently more beginners than there are experts in any given topic. Um, but we also wanna produce a lot of that intermediate and expert content, I think, which is lacking. Um, and the combination of all those things allows us to basically do that. So like the expert content, it doesn't exist as much out in the world in terms of like other, uh, learning platforms because there's fewer experts who want to teach it and there's fewer people who are ready to learn it. Right. But I think if we combine all those things together across the different sort of the spectrum of, of skill level or, or, you know, the level at which you're entering, it allows us to produce really cool uh, intermediate and advanced content in addition to beginner content or business focused content. Like that's something that I'm personally doing a lot of as, you know, sort of the owner of the business. Like I'm going to do stuff about recession proofing your agency about, um, you know, reaching out to new clients and doing new marketing techniques and stuff like that. So we're really going to mix it up. uh, And I think give uh, some, have something for everybody who's in the WordPress space or even the broader tech or digital agency space. 
So at the moment, there are six courses on the, the website at the moment, but you mentioned that there's several more in the planning stages. The The cost of the courses, as of this point, caveat emptor, who knows what's going to happen with the pricing, that's in Rob's hands, is $47 <laughs> per, per, let's call it a module, per course, something like that. Mm-hmm. But also I noticed that there's an opportunity to kind of go all in um, there's a $99 per year and you call this Master WP Premium. Is that kind of like your um, your your bundle where you get everything for that, that you know, for the, basically the cost exactly. of two courses, you get the whole thing for a year, I see. Yeah, it's effectively the all-access pass yep. to everything. Um, so, you know, my goal, I don't think we'll reach this point uh, in the next few months, but my goal is eventually to have one every week and we're staffing up to um, accomplish that. Um, so, you know, the way we're doing it is basically most of them are live webinars that we then record and share back. So for example, if you miss the <clears throat> live event or you just want to rewatch it, you can log into our course platform and, and watch it again as a video. Um, but we also love when people can, uh, to have them come to the live events cause they can ask questions and it's just very interactive. Um, so we're planning on expanding it a lot. Um, also, uh, we created a coupon code for WP Builds oh. listeners, which is WP Builds 10 for 10% off nice. anything on the site. Uh, so feel free to head over there and use that uh, if you'd like. Um, we also have a 30 day guarantee on everything. So you can literally just log in and watch everything. And if you hate it, you can get your money back. Um, so we try to make it very easy uh, and, and risk-free. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's, hope, and, let's uh, hope you don't get too many of those. So far, so good. We haven't gotten a ton of hate mail yet, but, you know. Um, but anyway, uh, we really see this as a major sort of future investment and a future um, area that just fits really well with what our team likes to do with our team's existing skill sets and with our overall mission. Um, like we have multiple employees who have done other information products and teaching um, products over the course of the years, even you know before working with us, uh, we have multiple employees who um, are just already teachers, right? Like in the literal sense of like, hey, I, like I used to be an adjunct professor. Um, and also in the sense that we are a large enough company now that we are doing our own company trainings. So one of the cool things about huh. doing workshops is yeah. that workshops also train our team, right? Double so when duty. we Very do nice. yeah. like an intermediate to advanced development workshop, that actually is an internal training that we are also then putting out for public consumption, right? So it kind of has that same, like, you see how there's this like virtuous cycle yeah, with a lot a nice of these different things there, that we're yeah. doing. Yeah. Um, in fact, we have a course that's available now called Instant Understrap that is also on the, it's on the workshop site that you, that you mentioned. Yep. Um, and that course is the first thing that our new hires do when they join the company, right? So we recorded that course a year ago, but it remains like you're welcome to being a developer with us training. So we don't have to manually teach people that stuff. It's recorded. It's set up as like an educational experience already. Um, and you know, they just basically log in and they're good to go. So it really, um, there's just so many ways that these different things kind of like layer on top of each other or work together. Um, so you can see where there's like, you, you could look at it as a financial expense in some ways, but really it's, um, there's just so much intangible benefit, uh, that, you know, it doesn't necessarily show up on the, on the bookkeeping, but it shows up in, 
um, faster training, employee morale, and all, yeah. all those other things. You've got that. There is a difference to be drawn here. You've got two courses which are charged at ninety-seven dollars, uh, and then the ones that we've been talking about largely, apart from you know you mentioned the understrap one, that that is in fact a course. So uh, the courses at ninety-seven, they have multiple um, steps inside of them, multiple videos or whatever it may be. Whereas the the workshops, which are at forty-seven, that's the that's the kind of call that you've just mentioned, the webinar, if you like, and it's pre-recorded exactly. and so on. Okay, yeah. so that's one piece of content. If you get to if. Wow, I mean, just I, I can't even imagine the workload requiring that. But if you can get to one a week, let's say, let's imagine you have a few weeks of failure. Let's say you do forty-five of these workshops each year. Um, assuming you keep the price at ninety-seven dollars, that is, or ninety-nine dollars. Apologies, that is pretty pretty aggressive pricing. Do you do you intend to keep it that way? Should you step up and churn out content at that level, or is this pricing? Kind of for now under review i like pricing things aggressively mm-hmm. uh the nice thing about this business model is that there is a very low marginal cost to that next uh learner coming in right so with client work you sort of need to go more on the luxury side and on the higher price side because ultimately like yeah, yeah. every dollar that client pays you requires a person to do something, right? So I think what's nice about like a more uh, inherently scalable business is that we can keep prices very affordable while also, uh, you know, doing good work and, and making money off of it. So I think, you know, the the nature of that um, monthly or the, the annual fee is like, it should be a no brainer. It should be like such a good deal that you can't say no to it, yeah. right? Um, and I think, you know, as you said, like if we have a catalog of 40 or 50 courses on there, like that becomes a no brainer pretty quickly. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like two, $2 a course or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and you know, the, and the flip side of that is that we are not doing extra work to provide that course that we recorded six months ago. Right. So you can essentially have an infinite number of customers for an upfront investment. Whereas, so in other words, creating a course is a large upfront investment that has essentially infinite future scalability. Whereas working for a client requires very little upfront investment, but has very little long-term scalability. Like in, in the sense that like there, no matter how you price your projects, they're always at some level paying for the time of a person who's doing something, mm-hmm. right? Um, so two different business models uh, and two different pricing philosophies, right? Um, I think, um, you know, especially, you know, it's October right now of 2022, like it's possible that we'll see a significant economic downturn over the next year. I think um, keeping edu- tech education opportunities at a lower price point is gonna be good for our customers and also allow us to reach more people and ultimately, uh, you know, bring in more revenue in the sense that we're not pricing people out, um, who might not be able to afford, you know, a thousand dollars a year, even if, even if they're getting that much value, like I'd rather give them something that, as you said, you know, is just, uh, bafflingly inexpensive and easy to, to dive into. Yeah. I think it's always nice to be able to diversify a little bit, especially when you can smell 
the, the on the horizon that things are going to be potentially a little bit harder economically than they they were for the previous couple of years if you've got a different revenue stream and from the sounds of I can't remember if we were saying it during the recording or prior to the recording but it, it does sound like you've uh, you've managed to convert some people from just browsing on the website to actually taking these courses and paying opening their wallet and giving you some money for them so it would would seem that that is definitely an opportunity in the future um so all of the stuff that we've talked about so far has been over at masterwp.com go check it out they they've got their workshops they've got the website full of constantly updated content i'm just looking uh as of as let's have a look so yeah two articles released uh yesterday to the day prior to that by the looks of things and then you know you've got the weekend so fair enough you're allowed a weekend off and then several things the the week before that very consistent and uh, excellent stuff so go and check that out just before we finish we're going to have a quick foray into the recent stuff that's been going on in wordpress hopefully it's not too stale by the time this podcast episode comes out i know that you've got some thoughts on this so a couple of weeks ago some stats were removed from the wordpress.org repo which gave some information to uh, plugin developers about how their how their plugin was being installed over time was it going up was it going down and so on and uh, whilst that piece of the puzzle probably you know there's not a lot to talk about there some people some people did feel it was a bit of a a bit of a bellwether indication of the way the WordPress community is going. You're obviously massively into the WordPress community. I'm into it as well. Any hint of cracks or fissures in that community alarm me and worry me greatly. So what were your thoughts on that whole episode? Yeah, so I think, you know, as you mentioned, you know, I think that an argument can be made that the number of people directly affected wasn't... uh, you know, not in the millions, right? It's more like a few hundred or a few thousand um, plugin developers who are seriously looking at that particular statistic that was removed. Um, What was more concerning to me uh, is that I think it's part of a pattern of either a lack of awareness of what uh, WordPress community members and customers need and want and what they're doing, um, or, uh, you know, on the more negative side, like, almost like a negligent disregard of what the community needs. Um, You know, so I think, you know, there's an old saying that we shouldn't attribute to malice what can be explained by incompetence. And I think that that might be an appropriate way to look at this, right? So we have a bunch of people who are great developers, who are great um, inventors and builders, who are now being tasked with managing the expectations uh, and business prospects of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of developers and designers who in, you know, at various degrees rely on WordPress as a product to uh, help them make money, help them, you know, feed their families, help Mm -hmm. them, you know, with their livelihood. So I think the folks who were great inventors don't always become great communicators or community leaders or bosses, right? And I think what we're seeing is that there's a pattern that has happened at least several times this year. You know, I'm thinking of this particular um, uh, plugin chart that was removed essentially with little to no reasoning or explanation or public comment or anything like that. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, changes in pricing at wordpress.com, which created a real backlash from 
bloggers who were using that um, commercial service that is obviously related to the WordPress brand. Um, you know, there's been conversations around accessibility of some of the new software that's being released. Like I can't use this with a screen reader. I can't use this without a mouse uh, if I have a disability, stuff like that. So I think, you know, what we're seeing is a pattern of, um, you know, it's hard to pin down the exact reasoning behind it because no one is really saying much about the reasoning behind it. But I think, you know, what we're seeing is the, the, the result is people are feeling ignored. People are feeling, uh, you know, essentially not cared about. And, um, you know, in a community where things are supposed to be open, right? Like you can put open like in quotes if you want. Like I know that people own companies, but we're all trying to, I think, create a more open future and more open internet. Um, you know, when you have a community that is founded on these ideas of openness and then people are acting in a way that is, harming others when decisions are made essentially in very small groups in a non-public way, um, you know, that's not a good pattern. And I think that, um, you know, I wrote an article that, that basically said, you know, WordPress as an uh, organization should really be supporting its super fans because they're the ones who provide the vast majority of the brand value to WordPress, right? These are people who build stuff, who do podcasts, who, you know, create plugins and themes who are not necessarily, um, you know, employed by a big WordPress company, but are in fact just really big fans that are creating cool stuff, right? And I think personally, that's where the value WordPress provides to me has come from. Yeah. When I think about the plugins that I use, the themes that I use in my day-to-day -day life and business, like most of those things are coming from super fans, not from uh, any sort of centralized uh, for-profit company that's building WordPress stuff. Um, what usually happens is the for-profit companies buy the stuff the super fans built and then scale it up, right? But you know, without these super fans, I think um, the ecosystem naturally would start to fall apart or to be worse for everyone. And the pattern that I think is concerning is if um, WordPress.org or, you know, Automatic or Audrey Capital or any other company is making decisions that harm superfans and then sort of not really explaining it or not really giving people a fair shake, um, that, you know, over time, I think hurts everyone and, and hurts everyone's business prospects who has any association with um, the software or the WordPress brand. It's such a curious ecosystem that we're in. I could substitute the word ecosystem there for community. You know, if I worked for a company, let's say example.com, and example.com were doing things which I thought were, um, you know, not in the best interest of example.com, as an employee, I would probably go and see my line manager and express, you know, what are we doing? How has this happened? And then I would probably be told a story of, well, we decided to do something and we went through the standard operating procedure and we figured out that, yeah, this was for the best. And we communicated it weeks and weeks ago. So don't worry about it. I know it's affecting you, but we've had some feedback and everybody in the whole seems to be okay. We know it's affected you badly, but everybody else seems to be okay. The, the system that we're in, because it's driven in, in the open, in, in open source, and a lot of the people that are contributing are just doing it out of the goodness of their hearts you know they're not employed by companies they're not seconded they're just doing it it's it's really difficult to make these decisions and also when decisions appear to go astray it's also it, it can be quite deafening 
when there's just a wall of silence on the back side of those decisions, you know, if it's not explained quickly and carefully. And I think the, the problem is that people get um, people get upset and it appears, you know, they, they, they fracture, they leave, maybe not en masse, but they leave in dribs and drabs and that's not good. One of the funniest, it, it's funny from a distance and it's sad because I know people who were directly affected by this, you know, plug-in uh, chart decision. Um, you, you know, if you give yourself a little bit of emotional distance from it, it's kind of just a almost in a, a comedy of errors in, in some ways. And, and the biggest example for me was I was listening to the uh, WP Water Cooler podcast from a couple of weeks ago, and um, uh, there was one person there who uh, had been involved in the Slack conversation uh, that led to the removal, and there was another person who had kind of like he had reviewed the code, but he wasn't directly involved. And uh, one of those people said, "I don't know why everyone." just went right to like conspiracy. Like why is conspiracy the default, right? Uh, explanation for this. And the other person literally had just finished explaining that this was a decision that was made by a group of people in secret that harmed other people who were not involved with the decision. So it's like, it's <laughs> a like people have conspiracy theories because decisions are being made in secret that are harming people. Like that is literally the definition of that word right uh so i don't think that they i think they didn't realize people were using it like that's what they that's what they've said um they, they said hey we had this conversation in a private you know slack dm we were like ah oh, this data is not really coming out how we want it to come out they had some preconceived notions about not wanting to show exact numbers right which i think um you know kind of i i think i would even challenge that premise um i know that's a long-standing um you know tradition that we wouldn't show an exact plugin install count, but like I go on YouTube and I can see exactly how many subscribers you have to yeah, the number, yeah. right? And if you go to like um, a rival platform like Google Play Store or something, I'm pretty sure that they show fairly specific numbers as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, ultimately like that's a judgment call. I, I, I yeah, wouldn't necessarily yeah. say that there's a right or wrong answer to that, but I would say that like, I don't necessarily agree with the premise that precision is bad, right? Um, but I also will grant the, the decision that somebody else could make the opposite judgment, right? Mm. Um, when I look at YouTube, I don't see people being harmed by knowing exactly how many subscribers they have. Um, you know, if I'm a plugin developer and I know that I have 100,000 or between 100 and 200,000, like that's kind of an example of like the, the scale of the rounding that's happening, right? Um, I could see that, you know, maybe you don't want to get that precise because you don't want it to feel like a scoreboard, but you know, I, I think that's a debatable point, right? Um, but, you know, what came out of that, um, you know, private Slack conversation that's now been relayed to us by one of the people who was there um, on that water cooler podcast is, you know, they basically said, okay, you know, people are kind of reverse engineering more precise numbers than what we want them to see. And we also are, th we think that that reverse engineering, because it's being done by a third party is not really accurate. It's kind of showing higher numbers than reality. So we'd love to fix this, but we tried a few things and we couldn't figure it out. So we're just gonna turn it off, right? right? Now, this all happened in private. It sounds like maybe there were between like three, maybe like five or six people involved um, in that discussion. When I hear that, you know, I say, this actually seemed to me, like it would have been the perfect thing to put as a ticket on the wordpress.org site so that people could contribute to it. Like literally several people noticed the problem 
if we accept the premise that it is a problem, then, you know, what's the reasoning behind not going to your open source community and saying, hey, can you help us fix this, right? Um, I'm sure that people would have given interesting feedback. Some Maybe somebody would have actually contributed some code that would have helped. Maybe there could have been like an interesting debate around, well, to what degree, um, you know, do we want to round the numbers? Do we want to show that it's 10 and 20, but not the difference between 10,000 and 20,000? Like, I think that there's like an interesting discussion to be had there. Um, but instead, it seems, you know, based on what's been said, it seems like they had a very small group of people in a non-public space make a decision that was really not very well thought out and ended up hurting people effectively by accident, right? So even if you kind of say like, okay, this is water under the bridge, you know, what I would be interested in seeing is a plan for preventing this type of mistake from happening next time, right? Like mm. there's a degree to which a for-profit company can make mistakes and, you know, they're allowed to do that. Like, you know, as many people have said, like, there are private companies that own stuff in this ecosystem and, and ultimately like the market sort of responds if they do things that are good or bad or, you know, positive or negative or whatever. Um, but there's also a public good and a public service here that at least in theory should have some sort of uh, ability for people to contribute ideas, to comment, um, to, you know, have some sort of reasonable um, public decision-making process. Like even if ultimately there is an individual making that decision or a group of two or three people, um, you know, I think what happened here was they made a decision without seeking public feedback, without seeking help from the thousands of developers that would have been interested in helping with this problem. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, um, I think it backfired. I think that they, um, did something that, uh, made them look, <clears throat> uh, less authoritative and less serious in the eyes of many of their super fans. Right now, the degree to which like that shows up on the balance sheet may be minimal. Right. But what I, uh, am worried about is if that pattern continues, you know, people are eventually going to get uh, discouraged. Right. And, and I actually don't think that you know, the whole exodus scenario is that big of a threat. Um, mm. And I actually think it's almost a little bit disingenuous to say like, oh, well, if you don't like what we're doing in WordPress, you can always fork it, right? Like, I feel like that's kind of like a very off-putting way of framing things. And, and I know that people don't usually say that quite that explicitly, but it basically gets insinuated a lot, right? Well, if you don't like this, why are you here, right? And I, I kind of really... I find that to be a bit disingenuous. I find it to be, you know, very um, kind of a, a, almost like a cruel approach. Like it's kind of like when people say, well, if you don't like the laws in America, why, not, why are you here? You know, it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. process is is intended to um, reflect, uh, you know, it, what people want and need and like what can be like if, uh, helpful to the public good, right? So, you know, kind of saying it's my way or the highway, I think is not the best way to do that. Uh, and I have heard that feedback, you know, from, from some people like there, there's especially a sort of a class of, uh, commentators and developers who, uh, they seem to think that it's in their best interest to 
sort of defend the bad decisions of leadership in a very aggressive way. Um, and they always sort of end up at that place of like, well, if you don't like it, you can leave, right? Um, what I would say is that I don't think people are going to leave in mass because I think that there actually is real value to using the software, even if you never communicate with anyone who's building the software, right? And, and that's always going to exist. Um, I think the bigger concern is more like uh, quiet quitting, right? Which is kind of a new buzzword mm -hmm. yeah, in, yeah. uh, in the world, in the industry. Um, and the idea that you're going to transition from having super fans who are really active, who are building new stuff, you know, who are advancing the software and thus causing the for-profit companies to make more money, right? You're going to go from that, which I think was is a reasonable, uh, you know, uh, sort of um, uh, a reasonable way to describe how things have been going for the past five or 10 years, right? There's been a lot of cool new stuff. You know, I'm thinking about like advanced custom fields was a really awesome plugin that changed the way that I ran my business. It didn't come from, you know, like a big for-profit company. It came from a super fan, right? I think Understrap is also an example of that. Uh, we didn't start that. It was started as an open source project in 2013. And it, you know, really revolutionized how we build stuff with WordPress. Like those are the things that are making a difference and bringing in new stuff rather than like, hey, we released a new feature in Jetpack. Like that's cool. But like that's, I don't think has ever really been the driver of people uh, loving using WordPress, people building their businesses on this software. Yeah. Um, I think the pattern, if the, you know, the pattern of ignoring the super fans is not going to make them like revolt in a obvious way, but I think it is going to chill participation in a way that may not be obvious, but may actually show up on balance sheets, you know, three or five years from now in the sense of lower productivity, lower innovation, uh, lower, um, participation in events and, you know, lower participation in the community. And then eventually you get into sort of a downward spiral that is very hard to escape. Yeah. Right? So you, you can definitely see that in other industries, can't you? You know, something which seemed, um, a permanent fixture, immutable, something that couldn't be, uh, upset or removed or changed in any way, you know, give it a few years and the, 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 the slight crumbling, turns into a bit of an avalanche. And yeah, that's the last thing that, well, I imagine either of us want, at least anyway. And I think the bigger picture is like, you know, for-profit companies come and go, and that's okay, right? Uh, however, the bigger benefit of WordPress is that it is one of the few organizations that genuinely cares about and lives by open source software um, philosophy, right? So. I think the worst part of that, you know, sort of dystopian future that I just described is not solely that for-profit companies might make less money. Like most of us can go get like different jobs if we really needed to, because we have, you know, those, those pre-existing tech skills. Um, but the problem is that I don't want to see uh, the space that is now occupied by WordPress be replaced by a closed source for-profit software as a service alternative that, you know, eventually is like just like a vehicle for private equity or venture capital or something, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that there's real value to uh, pursuing a more open internet and a more open future. Um, you know, open source software comes in various forms, but I think is pretty much always at least philosophically a better approach um, than, you know, closed source, you know, I own the 
data, I own the platform type of stuff. Um, so, you know, it, people's uh, incomes will be affected if things start to go south or if we see like a just lower level of innovation or if WordPress just kind of like can't keep up because people are quiet quitting from innovating, right? Um, but the worst thing is like, you know, this whole bigger picture that I think, um, you know, Matt Mullenweg talks about a lot. I agree with his sort of long-term philosophy of like open source is the future, right? Um, he often talks about that in like a 50 or 100 year timeline. My concern is that it also needs to be a winner on a five-year timeline in order to get to 50 years, right? And if we're doing stuff that is um, hurting the five-year outlook, we are also inherently hurting the 50-year outlook, right? Um, you can't get to 2100, right? If everything collapses in 2030, right? Yeah. Um, so to me, like, I think that, um, you know, there's a there's a uh, sort of missing the um, I don't know like I guess uh, looking at looking at it in such a long term big picture way that you ignore the short term threats to this open source idea um, it, it is an area of concern that I have and you know I, I but I think you know the takeaway for me is like I actually don't want to stop or quit or quiet quit or any combination of those things like if there's other people in the community that are not going to value the super fans. Like I'm going to counteract that by valuing them even more myself. Right. And I think that that's something that every individual can do. Um, you know, if you want to kind of be a part of this open source mission, um, to the degree that that involves WordPress contribution or WordPress participation, like you can actually go in in an even more intense way to compensate for your dissatisfaction with leadership. And I actually think that that is a much more productive way to do it than exiting or, you know, sort of uh, quitting or uh, sort of going into this sort of exodus mode or saying, oh, we're going to, you know, like that's one of the challenges like with the, the forks that have happened, like classic press is like you sort of quit in a huff and then it doesn't really go anywhere. And then it kind of just like, doesn't really help anyone, right? Mm -hmm. But if those folks instead focused on creating like the world's best alternative plugin for uh, content editing, and it's way more accessible, it's easier for you know certain users to use. Like, I think that actually is a more productive approach, right? So the way I look at it is you know similar to the way I look at you know like living in a country, right? Uh, you know when the United Kingdom's uh, when the United Kingdom has a bank crisis, everyone's not going to move to France. They're going to try to fix the problems within the UK government, right, in as quickly as possible by participating more actively. And, you know, some Americans threaten to move to Canada every year. But, you know, the Americans that are making a difference are the ones that are getting more involved rather than less involved, yeah. right? So I think that that, to me, um, is the ideal approach here, which is to say, I don't want to just throw up my hands and give up or say, oh, people aren't listening to me, so I'm going to abandon this community. What I want to do instead is say, hey, you know, there's some level of disagreement about like tactics and, um, you know, uh, minutia here, but we actually are all seeking the same thing. And, um, you know, there is a significant opportunity for individuals to make a difference, right? Um, so that's kind of how I'm approaching it myself. 
you know, I'd rather work harder to make a positive difference than like, you know, throw my hands up and bail. Um, that being said, I also want to acknowledge that there are people whose businesses were directly hurt by the plugin data change. And, uh, it should really be, uh, resolved as soon as possible yeah right? like that data could come back in a, a better way they've kind of talked about that but not put a timeline on it like i feel like that should be an all hands on deck situation uh you know i'd be happy to personally contribute to that and have my team contribute to it um but the bigger picture is like you know we really need to make sure that we are not letting the whims of individuals discourage us from the long-term goal or 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 send us into this kind of like downward spiral as yeah. a group yeah a couple of things to say uh, to, about that firstly i do wonder if the new stats will come back but also a, a better set of stats will come back let's let's hope that that's the case and it's very kind of you to offer your your team's time to that but but i i wonder if there's maybe some sort of silver lining to this in that you know a problem has been identified sure enough it seems to have bifurcated the community there's definitely people who were uh, affected negatively and rightly express their opinion about the way it was handled but perhaps you never know maybe it'll um, force a light on the wordpress repository in general there's been some commentary around that from people like alex denning and matt cromwell over the last few days you know highlighting potential deficiencies and also some some good things that are in the repo and maybe maybe things will be done to improve search and the visibility of new endeavors new plugins and so on but also just the, the mere fact that we forget sometimes that the internet is still new. We are kind of figuring it out. And although we've been at this this experiment, let's call it that, for 25 years plus in the case of the internet, 16 plus years in the case of WordPress, uh, it is still just, it's in its infancy. You know, we're just trying to figure out what this whole internet thing is, you know. Is it a utility? Will it stretch into our homes? Are we going to be talking to it in the future and so on and so forth? So there's definitely places to go and things to do in the near future. And for me, at least anyway, the uh, the, the endeavor is to double down on WordPress and, and hope that it keeps getting better. Absolutely. And I think, you know, WordPress may evolve into other bigger and better things and ideas in the future um, and probably will. And, and I think the main thing that we want to avoid is allowing it to sputter out because people don't feel um like they're being given a fair shake mm -hmm. right but when they're participating um and i also think that you know what you just said just you know it, it <clears throat> shining a light on things giving more people voices like these are essentially always good things like it's pretty much always better to allow more voices to speak than the opposite and i think that you know goes right along with wordpress's core mission of democratizing publishing, which, you know, I take to mean make it easier for more people to have a voice, right? Um, publishing on the internet gives more people a voice. WordPress makes it easier to publish on the internet. Um, and when organizations, whether they're for-profit or uh, nonprofit or open or closed, like when those organizations make decisions, hearing more voices and allowing more people to be involved is almost always going to be a better approach than making decisions in secret, right? And making decisions in a way that is opaque. Um, and what I think we've seen is that the opaque decision-making pattern has now repeatedly failed and actually harmed not just the people who were 
affected by that decision, but also harm the decision makers in terms of their reputation, their ability to go be trusted in, you know, in the same capacity in the future, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the things that we try to do is uh, open things up to more people. Like that's why we publish rebuttals to our articles. That's why we pay our writers so they can afford to take the time to create a thoughtful article about a topic they're interested in. Um, so to me, bringing in more people and hearing them and respecting their opinions, even if ultimately they don't necessarily get everything they're hoping for. Like, I don't think that it's, uh, it's necessary for everyone to always get everything they request, but what is necessary is for everyone to feel like they got a fair shake when that decision was made. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think that that's been happening, uh, you know, in the last sort of like a few big decisions or, or controversies that have come up. Um, I don't think that it is correct to characterize it as drama because I think that's kind of dismissive. I think it is an issue with people identifying that their needs are not being met and that their opinions are not being valued. And I think that is something that, you know, can and should change. Um, we can't control the actions of, of everyone around us, but we can control our own actions and we can you know, as you mentioned, endeavor to uh, do better in our sort of small circles of the world or the community that we have control over uh, and encourage the people around us to do better. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think that is, um, you know, one of the sort of underlying goals or missions is to be able to say, hey, we have this platform, we're going to let more people speak and we're going to let people push the people around them to, you know, treat other people better. What a broad and interesting conversation we've just had. That was absolutely fascinating. Unfortunately, we've topped out in in probably in the region of just over an hour. So I'm going to have to, in the, well, it's a phrase we use in the UK. I'm going to say we're going to knock it on the head, which means we're going to have to end it there. But um, yeah, really fascinating conversation. Firstly, about Master WP and all the things that you're doing over there. And then secondly, about the community and the various things that have been happening uh, at this at this particular juncture in its journey. Um Rob, where do we best find you? It may be that you just point us to the Master, w, uh, Master WP website, but there may be some other channel that you wish to emphasize. Yeah, so definitely go to masterwp.com. Uh, the workshops and the magazine are there, and our client services are at hdc.dev. So that's H-D as in dog and C as in charlie.dev. Okay, thank you very much. Rob Howard, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for speaking to me today. Thanks for having me. Talk to you next time. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that. Very nice chatting to Rob Howard all about the different bits and pieces that they are doing over at Master WP. Don't forget, if the stars align, Rob will have enabled a coupon code to get 10% off the courses. The coupon code is WPBUILDS10, and that should be valid from one month after this podcast episode goes live. If it doesn't, just reach out and I'll figure out why that's not working. But I hope that you enjoyed it. If you've got any commentary, head over to WPBUILDS.com, search for episode number 318, Leave us a comment there. Alternatively, take it to the socials. You could use our Mastodon install, or you could go to Facebook or Twitter. All of those details are on wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place. Invoice clients and get 30% off new purchases. Find out more 
go to go.me forward slash WPBuilds. And again, sincere thanks for GoDaddy Pro's continuing support of the WP Builds podcast. Okay, as it was an interview episode this week, next week I'll be joined by David Wormsley so that we can have a discussion in our Thinking the Unthinkable series. We will be back for that in a week, so that's Thursday. But don't forget, we've got a show Monday this week in WordPress. We do that live and we always enjoy it when people show up. 2pm UK time. You can find it at wpbuilds.com forward slash live. Bookmark it. Stick a calendar event in for each week because we're there each week. But that's it for this week. I'm going to fade in some cheesy, well, solo music this week. It's just one instrument, which is not typical. I hope that you have a good week and that you stay safe. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>